Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. And uh, we have uh, a special couple that is with us, and uh, not just a special couple, they've become people that are uh, near and dear to Kara's and my heart. Um, Pastor Carrie and Megan Robinson are here all the way from the beautiful sunny coast of Orange County. They pastor a beautiful church down there, the Movement Church that last week celebrated seven years. And they are, they are church planners extraordinaire. They are a part of the ARC family as we are, which is the church planning movement that as a church we give into. Actually today there's four more churches being planted today in our country. And listen, when you give, it actually sends funds that 100% of those go into helping these churches get planted. So people are actually coming to faith today because of you. Just take that, stick that in your pocket. You can take it with you. But, uh, but today, man, I, I wish we had all day because both of these could get up here and just destroy all of our faces in Jesus' name in a good way. Uh, Pastor Megan has been so gracious to let Pastor Kerry get and speak. I'm joking. Anyway, but, uh, but I just want to let you know, like, when we got into the process of wanting to start this church, uh, whether it was volunteer or whether it's just divine appointment, uh, they got connected with us to coach us through that process. And, and they, they spoke into our life. They encouraged us. They, they told us when they were like, that's a terrible idea. We're like, oh, okay, good. And then we fixed it. And, and they just encouraged us all the way through. And so they've become not just coaches, they've become mentors. They've become very good friends. They've become people that we, we look up to how they do what they do as, as pastors, also as parents, also as a married couple. And uh, today you guys get the opportunity to hear from Pastor Kerry. And listen, y'all, y'all better not be quiet on him. This ain't no quiet church. As for libraries and funerals, we're, we're celebrating some life today. So y'all got to shout him down. He knows what to do with it. Don't worry about that. We're going to have a good time. But Convo Church, can you stand on your feet? Give a Convo Church welcome to Pastor Kerry as he comes up here. Come on. Can we give God a hand clap? Convo Church. One year in the books. Don't sit down yet. Turn to somebody on your right or left. Give them a fist bump or a high five. Tell them they look even better than last week, and you may be seated. Wow, wow, wow. Man, what a privilege. You know, I was just, I was watching that video, and I was crying just seeing the goodness and the faithfulness of God, and I just kept thinking, wow, wow. isn't it, I'm sorry that I'm not six foot amazing like your pastor is. Some of you can't even see me back there. I'm just five foot fat, so I apologize. I probably should stand on the stage. I've seen people like, where is there a pastor? Who's talking in the microphone right now? I just was thinking, wow. I kept saying, wow, wow, wow. And I was reminded of the scripture in, in Genesis where he said, oh, how awesome is this place. None other than the house of God. And I was thinking, you didn't make it to one year, you guys are blasting past one year. This isn't a survival story, this is a miracle story, and you are a part of it. And here's what I just felt like the Holy Spirit leaned in, as he does with me, and just kinda whispered in my ear that you ain't seen nothing yet. Like I feel like you need to turn to your neighbor and say, B -b -b baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the, the best is yet to come. You've only gotten started. 
what, what you're a part of, you, you don't even realize you're, you're a part of history in the making. You just think you showed up to church today because you come every week or maybe somebody said, hey, come to church, there's a taco truck afterwards. You're like, that sounds awesome. I'll give it a shot. And, uh, and now I just see a little person up front talking and I can't even see him. But you, you're a part of, of history in the making and you don't even know it. What, you know what, I, I was just blown away by the fact that Reno has no clue what is, is stewing here. That this, that God is, he's, he's building something miraculous that's not just gonna impact this amazing city, but it's gonna impact this state, it's gonna impact this region, come on, it's gonna impact our nation, and it's because of what you're doing. So Convo Church, I applaud you, and I'm so excited, and you ain't seen nothing yet. And I gotta just say, Pastor Craig and Kara, holy cow, you guys are, are our heroes. Can we give it up for the greatest pastors on the planet? Let me just tell you, yeah, I think that's worth standing up. Come on. They risked everything. They bet the farm. They moved to a city they didn't never know about. They don't know anyone here and said, hey, we're going for it. And these guys truly are some of the greatest pastors. And let me tell you, I got to stand up on here because y'all can't see me now. Let me tell you why. You can be seated. Let me tell you why. They actually genuinely care about you with every fiber of who they are. They are pastors who care about the people who said, you know what, we're not here to build a big church, we're here to build big people. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your courage and your faith and your tenacity and, and your fight. You don't get to a year without some fight. You know what I'm talking about? And my friends, I'm not even preaching yet. My friends, you, that's what you need to know about your pastors. They got some fight in them. Like they're gonna stand in the gap. They're gonna wage war because they believe that God's doing something big in your life and it happens to be attached to what God's doing at Convo Church, amen? Man, I just wanna pray for us and, and get started. But I, I gotta also just talk about his shoes for a minute, cause his shoe game's strong and a hat like that. Like I feel there's an anointing up here with my dude, but okay, I'm gonna come back down here so I can read my notes. I, can, can we dive in? They gave me 35 minutes, but I think I'm gonna just try to do it in 28. So let's see what we can do. You don't know me, and, and so let me give you kind of the, the parts of my story that would matter to you. I've been married for 18 years uh, to my high school sweetheart. She was a senior in high school, and I was a sophomore. Come on, somebody. I call her my cougar. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, we moved to Orange County, California, which is right in the middle of Los Angeles and San Diego, about an hour in between both of those. And we didn't know a soul there and just decided we're gonna do what these guys did. Just jump up there and, and try to plant a church. We just celebrated seven years and uh, it is awesome what God is doing. We're getting pictures and texts from our team right now. And uh, last week, last week, 47 people said yes to Jesus at our anniversary service. So we like to celebrate that. I've got two daughters. I've got a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. So uh, estrogen just wafts through my house like a fog cloud. Sometimes I have to go outside, shoot a shotgun, pick up the cartridge and smell it to remind myself I'm a man. Y'all pray for me. You, you know, somebody knows, this gentleman, he's like, yeah, I feel you, brother. Like, they, we just, I don't know if you know this, but girls just cry sometimes. There's no reason. Guys only cry when they're hurt. And, and girls sometimes just cry. One time my daughter came home from school and she was crying and I was like, what's wrong? Who do I need to beat up, right? Can I get an amen? I will go break a fourth grader's face if I need to. And she's like, no, I just don't know and I'm crying. And I went to my wife, I was like, what am I supposed to do? She goes, just hold her. And I was like, 
So I'm like trying this awkward thing inside. I'm thinking, why are you crying? Anyways, y'all pray for me. I need help. I need Jesus. My family needs Jesus. No, they're, they're great. And I do have my beautiful bride with me. Uh, Megan, I love you with my whole heart. Would y'all give it up for my beautiful, amazing wife who really could come up here and preach and dominate. That's, that's all you need to know about me. I want to read the scripture. We're going to dive in today. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to read from the message paraphrase today. I just like the way that Eugene Peterson worded this, so I think it'll be on the screens behind us if you'd like to follow along. But let me read this. We'll dive in. I love this passage, and I get a little bit passionate, so I hope that's okay with you. If not, it's a bummer. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 22, it says this. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. You could rephrase that with Christians and non-Christians. In other words, God is trying to put things together to bring people together under the banner of love and grace and mercy. It says this, he tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he started over. And instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everyone. Everyone say fresh start for everyone. Look at verse 19. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. I love this sentence. You belong here. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's using you. Fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple called Convo Church, built by God, all of us built into it. I love this. A temple in which God is quite at home. Let's pray and we'll dive in today. But before we pray, look at me for a moment. I've grown up in church my whole life. I'm a pastor's kid. I married a pastor's kid. And I know you can come to church and check a box and miss out on what God wants to do in your life. Hey, don't do that today. Lean in. I think the, the God of the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke, let there be light, and there was light. I think he showed up today because you were here. And he wants to do something in your life that is beyond the ordinary. It's extraordinary. But the only thing holding him back might be you. So lean in and see what he wants to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you we're celebrating one year of miracles, one year of fresh starts, one year of your church being built in this great region of the great state of Nevada. And I thank you, you helped me remember how to say that state name correctly. Because I've been told that I'll lose everyone's attention. So God, thank you for gracing me with that. And thank you for showing up today in a profound way. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, 
which just means I agree. It is Nevada, not Nevada, right? As I've been to Oka. Okay, hello. I said it right. The rest of the world has it wrong. Thank you for helping us. Thank you. All right, let's dive in. Listen, I, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you can identify with this feeling, but there is just this moment that occurred to me about a year and a half ago. And if you, if you feel it, just raise your hand. I'm just getting old. Does anybody in here just feel like, man, I'm just getting old? And there, there's some chief indicators in my life as to how I know that I'm getting old. One of the reasons is, is that my forehead is now a six head. Anybody have that issue out there? I, I, I'm losing my hairline, but the good news is I found it. It's just on my back now. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the Lord, some of y'all got grossed out there. Just right. Listen, let me tell you another reason I know I'm getting old. Do you know one of my favorite places to be is in my home? Does anybody else love to be at home? I like to watch movies in my house on my couch where it's perfectly aligned to my hindquarters. You know what I'm saying? There's another reason I know that I'm getting old. One of my favorite places to go is Costco. Does anybody else love? It, it, you can get a side of beef, a grill, a generator, and a 98 million inch television all in one place. And you know what the best part about Costco is? Samples. I knew you were my people. I will circle around a sample cart and take seconds and thirds because I have a membership. I paid for this. Can I get an amen? Oh, man, that's how I know I'm getting old. And listen, we, my wife and I went on a date. We try to go about every seven weeks or so and go stay at a hotel either in L.A. or San Diego. We put enough food on the countertop for our kids to last. I'm, I'm kidding. Make sure they're taken care of. And we, we went to this hotel in San Diego, and, and it was a high-rise hotel. So we actually had a room on the 14th floor, and we walked into our hotel room. And, and within seconds, we were glued to the window. And, and, and this is just how I know. I, I'm getting old. I was mesmerized because outside of the window, they were doing construction on another high rise. And what they were actually doing is there was a crew of people building a crane that was going to build a building. So there was a crane building another crane that was going to build a building. I don't think you understand how there was a crane building a crane. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big cranes that was going to build. My mind was blown. And within 30 minutes, I'm holding coffee and just sitting here watching them build a crane that was building a crane, which was going to build a, are you seeing what I, I mean, not this side, you guys get it. There was a crane building a crane that was going to build a a building. I don't think you even, can we go to the center section here? There was a crane building a crane that was going to build a building. You're my favorite section. And I just sat there for 45 minutes with my wife watching them build a crane to build a crane, which was going to build a building. And it dawned on me, this is exactly what God is doing in his church. You're never going to forget the title of this message, are you? God is building us so we can build his church so that he can build people. Like a crane, building a crane to build a building. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were built to build. Turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, say, no, you were built to build. 
a crane building a crane. You're never going to forget that title, are you? A crane building a crane to build a building. Can I just tell you, let me encourage you, Convo Church, there's nothing that you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. If you are a Christ follower, this message is for you. If you're here and you're not sure what it is you believe, hey, you get a hall pass, permission to belong before you believe. Convo's the church for you, but if you said yes to Jesus, there's nothing you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. He came to do two things. Can I preach this morning? He came to do two things. He came to seek and to save the lost and to establish his church. That is his heart. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, though they try, will never prevail against it. When Jesus looked to us as men and said, hey, you love your wife as I love the church and I gave up everything for her. There's nothing you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. Jesus is building the church. He's building Convo Church. He's building the Movement Church. He's building his church. Listen, the church is God's idea. It is not man's idea. It's plan A and there ain't no plan B. Are you tracking with me this morning? I came to be a little bit feisty today. There's nothing you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. So let's dive back into Ephesians and see what God might be trying to say to you and to me. Right back, verse 14, it says this, the Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Christian outsider and Christian insider. He tore down the wall that we use to keep each other at a distance. What you may or may not even know is in biblical times in the temple, in the exterior court, there was a wall built up. And there was a sign written in both Greek and Latin that said, if you are not a Jew, do not pass to the other side of this wall or you're going to die. Literally, as you walked up to church, that was the sign that you would read. If it was still up today, it would be like this. Hey, if you're not a Christian, don't come through the doors. And I'm just terrified that so often as a Christ follower, we can get so wrapped up in our own world, inundated with Christian things that we lose sight of the fact that there are people outside the doors of this church that desperately need the hope of who Jesus is. We love Christian things, don't we? We have Christian music, really horrible Christian movies. I didn't even know Nicolas Cage was still alive until I saw him in Left Behind again. We like to go to In-N-Out and drink the cup and hope that people see John 3:16 and get saved through osmosis. We love that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, except for the fact we're hungry for it on Sunday. We love Christian things and Christian world, and what we've accidentally done is we've closed ourselves off to the world that desperately needs Christ. Desperately needs him. We rebuilt the wall that Jesus tore down. Now, some of you are going, but wait a minute, Pastor Kerry. Sure, the pendulum can swing the other way because, yes, we can follow Christ with our words, but our heart is so far from him that we don't even know him. Our life no longer reflects the things that the word of God say that should reflect. The fruit of the Spirit is so absent from who we are that people wouldn't know that you're a Christ follower from Adam. So I'm not suggesting that we act and behave like the world. What I'm suggesting is we should stop building the wall that Jesus tore down. Are you tracking with me? 
He goes on and says he repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. He came to fulfill the law but remove the garbage that you and I have added to it. The whole time Jesus was in ministry, he was getting frustrated not with the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors. He was frustrated with religious folk. I think he called them a whitewashed sepulcher, an empty tomb. Everything on the outside screams of faith, but on the inside there's nothing to show for it. And I just wonder if he was here today, if he might have the same message to some of us. Not you, the person sitting next to you. It says, then he started over, and instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Jesus said, all of you are sinners, but I'll still die for you. Which means no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your belief, you're loved. You couldn't be more loved right now than you ever have been in your, no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your belief, you are love. That's some good news for somebody in here today. I don't know about you, but it was good news for me. I was raised in a Christian environment, surrounded by Christianity, inundated with Christianity, homeschooled, and I couldn't listen to hardcore Christian rock because my dad said it was of the devil. I'm not talking about like the real stuff. I'm talking about like DC talk. Anybody in here know some DC? He took that CD away from me. So here I am inundated with Christianity, but living a life of secrecy and hypocrisy. You think, you, you think I'm just saying that, but I'm talking about I'm in my late teens dating who I would one day marry, and I found myself in the midst of an affair with a married woman. It gets real quiet when I tell that part of the story. And I'm just saying, you can be immersed in Christianity but not know Christ. And I just feel like, like for some of us today we got to realize we got to stop building up some walls and stop making Christianity about everything that you can see and touch if it's not right here on the inside first. That's not even my notes, but that's for somebody today. And so for me, when I realized that no matter my story, no matter my past, no matter my hypocrisy, I'm still loved, I just realized that none of us are disqualified because Jesus qualifies us. I don't have the right to stand up on this platform except for the fact that Jesus' grace covers a multitude of sins. And some of you may not have sinned a lot like I have, but some of you have, and you know the darkness of that depravity. And you know what it's like to not want to walk through the doors of a church because you're terrified that people might find out who you really are. And the crazy thing is Jesus already knows. And he still chooses you. we got to move on. Verse 19, I love it. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. That's why Convo Church was started, to capture the exiles, the people who are desperately looking for hope. How do I save my marriage? Like the couple who talk, how do I find hope for the future? Convo Church was birthed out of a need for that, and that's what the scripture is saying. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You have a home, welcome home, printed on every banner. Why? So that every person who walks through the doors would know they belong here. Isn't that crazy? You know what makes a kingdom of faith? It's not pipe and drape walls. It's not this building. It's not lights. It's not a sound system. It's you. You make the kingdom of faith. And that's terrifying. Because some of you are jacked up. How many of you, be honest, say I'm a little bit jacked up? Raise your hand. How many raise both hands? I'm really jacked up. I tell people in church, hide your kids and hide your wife. Because there's some crazy people in here. 
You are the kingdom of faith, jacked up, messy, and imperfect. You know, and don't nudge your husband when I say that. I'm talking to you right now. You are the kingdom of faith. And you know what's so crazy about this kingdom of faith that he calls the church? The church is the closest thing to heaven on earth. Do you know why? Because stuff happens here that doesn't happen anywhere else. It's right here up the stairs of this building that your kids are not being babysat. They're being taught that there's a destiny and a purpose for their life. They have an adult in their life that's sweeping down and saying, hey, I believe in you. No matter what's going on in your world, no matter when you feel abandoned or rejected, there's somebody here who says they believe in you. That's what happens here. It's in places like this that we can encounter the presence of God. Marriages get restored. The blind eyes are open. The lame can walk and the dead live again. And you're thinking, I've never seen the dead person raised to life. But have you ever had a dream die? And been in a church experience and God resurrects a dream inside of you. Stuff happens here that doesn't happen anywhere else. And he uses imperfect, jacked up, messy people just like you. Mind-blowing. You know what that also means? Because God is building the church with messy, jacked up, imperfect people, imperfect things happen in church. Can I get an amen from somebody? Didn't give, they didn't text me back or they didn't say hi to me when I walked past them. And I'm going to go whine about it and sit. I'm not going to worship today. You know, not you, the person seated next to you, of course. <laughs> but just because imperfect things happen in church, it doesn't change the fact that stuff happens here that doesn't happen anywhere else. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name as Christian as anyone. God's painting the picture that he's doing a work in us. Any great work of God always begins with a great work inside of us. You belong here. God is building a home. I love the imagery of this construction. He's building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. So he is using all of us, regardless of how we got here, because he is building a home. At first, he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, but now he's using you, fitting you in, brick by brick, stone by stone, which means all of us in this room are under construction. None of you have arrived. Whether you've been serving Jesus for three minutes three years three decades we're all under construction all of us are so the question is what type of construction project are you the moment we feel we've arrived when it comes to our faith we are unintentionally building a wall and keeping people out what type of construction project are you I have a couple thoughts three different types and maybe you find yourself in one of them the first type is brand new construction and these are people who are here today and, and you recently said yes to Jesus. Maybe you recently came back to him after years of a hiatus and years of running, but just starting over new. And in new construction is where we clear the land and we remove all the obstacles and we make it level and we lay a foundation and then we bring in the plans and we build up walls. And it's as if we're saying, okay, we're going to say no to the things that we used to say no to, but I'm going to put a door 
are here because I'm going to start saying yes to the things that I need to say yes to. Yes to the fullness of what God wants to do. Yes to the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're here and you're in new construction, man, you found the right church. It's why Convo exists. It's why we have Engage, an opportunity for you to jump in and figure out where do I need to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you're new construction, man, you found the right place. Some of you aren't new construction. You're renovation. You're under a renovation project. You've been a Christ follower for a while. Maybe you've been in church for a minute or a good minute. You know the scripture. You know the order. You know when we stand up and clap our hands and raise our hands and sit down and 60-second combo, shake a hand, scratch your friend's back, scratch your back next to you. Anybody old enough to know that one? Two of you. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Must be a southern thing. Renovation means to restore to good condition or to make new as if new again. If Jesus is in the business of fresh starts and being a new creation, it stands to reason that he's constantly wanting to renovate us in our walk with him. So if that's you and it's time for some renovation, here's some questions to ask. What in your life needs to change? What have you created as a golden calf that has become more important to you than it needs to be? Here's another question. What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? Words spoken to you in the past. Actions taken against you, maybe neglect. You don't know what they said, Pastor Kerry. You're right, I don't, but you're holding on to it and it's only hurting you. What do you need to change? At our church, we call it rearranging the furniture of your life. Maybe maybe your quiet time, your time with the Lord has just become something that you just check the box because now on you, Virgin, people can watch what you're reading. And you can't remember the last time you sat down to read the word and you just felt the fresh air that the Holy Spirit breathes. Maybe you need to dust your prayer life off. Oh, hey, maybe some of you, it mean, it's time to believe again. You've stopped dreaming and you've stopped hoping because you're tired of being disappointed. You've settled into an easy faith. A routine and the mundane that you know, but God's going, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. One translation says, beyond your wildest dreams. Maybe for some of you, it's time to renovate your faith. What type of construction project are you? You're under construction. There's another type of construction that's called remediation. This is the act of remedying something, especially the reversal or stopping of damage to an environment. I don't know about you. You ever had mold in your house? If you haven't, you're blessed and highly favored. (laughs) One day, one day my wife was uh, cleaning dishes after after dinner, which never happens in our house. It was a miracle. No, I'm kidding. And she was like, what in the world? And she looked up. We live in a condo, and water was dripping on her head from the unit above. Not yet. Y'all can see where this is going. And uh, I ran upstairs, and I knocked on the door. I said, hey, hey, what's going on? (laughs) Do you have a leak in your house? They're like, yeah, we've had one for months. And I was like, oh, my. Months? What do you mean months? I said, do you mind if I take a look? And uh, 
said, yeah, come on in. And I opened up her kitchen cabinet doors just under the sink and like demonic moldy waft. It was like hit me in the face. And it looked like the upside down from Stranger Things was growing underneath there. And Satan himself was like, close those doors. It was black and nasty and there was tree branches and things that didn't belong. And I'm like, what? Cover your mouth. Run away. So we had to bring in a mold remediation company and, and they scanned the walls of our kitchen and 95% of the walls were inundated and soaked and covered with mold. It worked out great. We got a brand new kitchen out of it, which is awesome. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But we had to like move out of our house. It was disgusting. Nobody wants that. Do you know what's interesting? In the scriptures... There's actually, in the book of Leviticus, if you're new to church, I don't recommend you start there and reading. In the book of Leviticus, it actually talks about how to handle mold in your house. Now, for those of you who've been in this long enough, this is under the Old Covenant, and this is part of the Mosaic Law, but there's an instruction on what to do if you find mold in your home. And, and what you would do is you would contact the priest. You'd ring him up on your cell phone, and he would come to your house, and he would scrape away the mold wherever it was found from the wall. But then he would come back seven days later to examine if the mold persisted. And if the mold persisted, then what the priest would do is tear down that entire section of the wall and leave, and he would leave for two weeks and then come back to see if the mold was persisting. And if after two weeks the mold was still found, the priests and other people in the community would tear down the house and the community of faith would rebuild the home again. You know what mold always represents in the Bible is the corrosive power of sin. Now, we don't like to talk about sin too much in church. But look at me in the eyes. All of us are under construction. And there are some of us in this room today who are allowing the corrosive power of sin to fester in your life. Just like me as a pastor's kid. Grown up in church, inundated with Christianity, but so far from Christ. And I found if you pursue evil, you'll find it real quick. And the corrosive power is worse than you can possibly imagine. There are some people in this room today, and the construction project that you are, you're, you're in the place where right now I know how the Holy Spirit works. I could go through a list of the things that we tend to struggle with, but the way the Holy Spirit works is he leans in right now, and you already know what it is that's going on in your life. Look at me. Some of you think that your private rebellion isn't hurting anyone, but you're being foolish. It's going to take over your world. And maybe the reason you're here today is because God wants to remind you that who you were in your past, who you were last night, who you were last week is not who you were created to be. What I know about how God works and I know how people work is there are people that walked in this room today and you're haunted by the fact that the life you're living is not the life you were created to live. So what, what, what is the sin that so easily ensnares you? And you know how the Holy Spirit works. Listen. The word says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The way that our world works is it says, this is who you are. This is your mistakes and you'll always be this way. But the Holy Spirit leans in and says, hey, 
You don't have to live that way anymore. This doesn't have to consume your life. So what is the corrosive power at work in your life? All of us are under construction. Can I tell you, if you need some remediation, Convo Church is the church for you. What I love about Leviticus is it says that after the priest comes back in and tears down the house, the community of faith comes together and gets around that individual and says, hey, you're not alone. You belong here and we're going to help you rebuild your house. So whether you're under renovation, your brand new construction, or it's time to confess some stuff on the inside, Convo Church will come around you and say, hey, you don't have to do this alone. We're here for you. This is why we exist. We're all under construction. We're all just a little bit jacked up. We're all a little bit messy and imperfect, but God is using you and you and you to build his church, which builds people like a crane, building a crane to build a building. You were built to build. I love how the scripture goes on. We're built on Christ Jesus, the cornerstone that holds us all together. We see it taking place, taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. There's nothing you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. So why would any of us be passive or indifferent or stingy towards building his church? Why aren't you on the team yet? What are you hiding behind? I don't feel qualified, me neither. In fact, that's what qualifies you. There are people outside the walls of this church that need to know it's people like you that can find hope in Jesus. And it's people like me, and it's people like this and that. And why, why aren't you on the team yet? I don't even know the percentage of unchurched, unsaved people in Reno, but I would take a gander that it's probably in the multiple hundreds of thousands. What are you hiding behind? Well, I just don't know if I have enough time. Time! We're headed at life speed towards eternity. You want to get to the end and stand before Jesus and say, well, I was a good steward of my time. But people around me are lost and dying and going to hell. I, I don't. I want to get there, like just skate in, be exhausted, clothes ripped, tired, like I made it. And I want to look to the right and the left and see people who are there because I lived my life the way God intended it. Not hiding behind disqualifiers, not hiding behind shame, not hiding behind fear, not hiding behind excuses, but saying, God, I did everything I could to get more people here because I know the power and the corrosiveness of sin. Why aren't you on the team yet? Jump on. It's time. I've got another question for you. And I think it's the reason that God sent me here. That's the question of who's not here yet. Never, never allow yourself to slip into the notion that church is about you if you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're on the team. Church is no longer about you. 
What do you mean? God built this place. And he's doing it brick by brick, stone by stone, with your life and with mine. Why? Because there's people outside who need to know the hope of who Jesus is. And the crazy thing is God ordained you. He uniquely wove your life. You just think you got the job you did because you're awesome. Well, you are awesome, but God designed it on purpose. Because there's somebody who works with you. It's probably the person you don't like who needs him the most. You just think that you bought a house on the street where you did because it was your dream home. No, you have neighbors that desperately need to know that there's hope found in Jesus. You just think your kid made that team because your kid is an awesome athlete. Well, maybe, but that's not the main thing. The main thing, God is, God goes, oh no, but I've got somebody who's a bearer of hope. They're messy and they're imperfect, but that's what I love about them. And I put them in their life on purpose. Because the gates of hell are trying to prevail, but man, nothing can stand against the hope of who Jesus is. He's building his home, brick by brick, stone by stone, fitting you in piece by piece with your imperfections and your inadequacies and your strengths and your awesomeness. A place where God is quite at home. Who's not here yet? Who's not here yet? Your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, you should never come to church alone at least without five invitations going out. Why? Every empty seat next to you represents a life that's desperate for hope, a marriage to be restored, a child to discover who Jesus is. Are you tracking with me today, Combo Church? You didn't make it to a one-year anniversary. You're blazing past it. And what God has in store for this church and for your life go beyond what you could possibly even imagine. What if we lived our life to build his church, realizing that we're not perfect because God's building us like a crane, building a crane to build a building, amen? How many of you just be honest for a moment and just be honest to say, yeah, I'm under construction and I need Jesus at work in my life. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. I've gone way over my time today, but the tacos are still out there, I promise. Okay, let me ask one more question. And I don't want you to raise your hands, but I know in a room like this, with a group of people like this, there are people here who have not begun the journey with Jesus. I'm not talking about church membership, and I'm not talking about eradicating your past, but I'm talking about the starting line of starting with Jesus. The good news is that you don't have to do anything to get to God, he did all the heavy lifting. If there's 100 steps to get to him, he took 99, all you've gotta do is take one, and it's just saying yes to Jesus. And there are some of you in this room who have not begun that journey, and today is your day. And listen, some of you in this room, you may have made a decision like that, but you've been running from God, and today's your day to come running back. I wanna ask everyone in this room to bow their heads and close their eyes, nobody looking around, nobody moving. Everyone staying still. If you're here and you've never made this decision or listen, you're here and it's time to make this decision again for the first time in a long time, I just wanna give you some words to say. No embarrassment to you, maybe in a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart. Why don't you make this prayer your own? Just repeat after me and say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me and I'm under construction. I'm not perfect, 
would you forgive me? And make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I want to ask one more favor. This is the reason I exist, is for the decision that some of you just made. And I want to ask, if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time or the first time in a long time, in a moment, I'm going to count to three, and I'd ask you to put your hand up and put it right back down. You're just saying, Pastor Kerry, I prayed that prayer with you. It might take some courage, but on the count of three, put your hand up and right back down. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands. Wow, 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 wow. All over the room. Anyone else? Wow, wow, wow. You can put your hands down. Wow, anyone else? My goodness. God, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you have grace for us and towards us as we're under construction. God, we thank you that you're building us to build the church, which builds people. In Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray, amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.